Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 24. Today's episode is all about Ayurveda and your mind body types. Either you get panicked, pissed, or paralyzed. And if you're one of those things, just know that that's not your true nature. It's an indication that you're out of balance, that something has pushed you. And Ayurveda has remedies. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hi friends, I hope you're all doing amazing. I am because thanks to your support, Mind Love is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all of your favorite podcasts. Personally, it's my favorite because I love how I can create playlists and autoplay next episodes when I'm binging my favorite shows. You can listen to Mind Love wherever you access your podcasts, but I hope you'll give CastBox a try. I'm super excited about today's episode. I was first introduced to Ayurveda during yoga teacher training, and it's fascinated me ever since. Thousands of years before modern science provided scientific evidence for the mind-body connection, like 5,000 years ago, the sages of India developed Ayurveda, which continues to be one of the world's most sophisticated and powerful mind-body health systems. It's not just for treating illnesses either. It's a whole science of life. If you've ever wished you had somebody else's body type, hair, or even mental capacity, you need to hear this episode. We're going to dive into the ancient principles to realizing our full human potential. Today, our guest is Dr. Deborah Kern. She's a women's wellness empowerment speaker, author, and health scientist who helps people to live in harmony with the wisdom of their bodies. She pioneered research in mind-body integrated exercise for reducing anxiety, and she's the author of Everyday Wellness for Women and co-author of Create the Body Your Soul Desires, the friendship solution to weight, energy, and sexuality. In today's episode, three key things we will learn are how to identify your mind-body type or dosha, How mind-body imbalances can result in things like anxiety, depression, or even ADHD, and their remedies. And how getting in touch with our mind, body, and spirit affects the way we experience the world. Before we dive in, I want to invite you to sign up for the morning Mind Love. You'll get short daily reminders of your own beauty, worth, and power so you can start each day with a positive mindset and keep your vibes up between episodes. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. You'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. First, you'll get our exclusive Powerless booklet, which is an awesome free booklet based on proven principles from the most successful people and some of our favorite guests. Plus, you'll get a free guided affirmation meditation set at the Miracle Tone, which is known to help you attract love, health, and abundance. 
set along with these affirmations perfectly tunes your frequency for personal transformation. Listeners have been loving the morning mind love. I've been overwhelmed by the responses that I'm getting. So be sure to head to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. And now let's welcome Dr. Deborah Kern to the show. Thank you. I'm really delighted to be here. How did you initially become interested in Ayurveda and the mind-body approach to health? You know, well, as a little girl, if I went back that far, I would have told anybody who asked me when I grew up, I wanted to be a medical missionary movie star. That was really what I wanted to be. Well, so (laughs) I don't know about the movie star part, but I really have always been interested in health and healing and a passion for teaching. And so I figured the way to do that was to be a nurse. Um, I went to nursing school at Vanderbilt and Then when they put us on the floors in the hospital, I was on a floor where a lot of people were having amputations from complications from diabetes. And I was so frustrated thinking, gosh, this could have been prevented. And that got me moving in the direction of preventive medicine. And I ended up working in preventive medicine, uh, running a preventive medicine center in the early 80s and thinking that that was it. But then I realized, oh, my gosh we're not really preventing anything. We're just testing and finding things early. But we were really early detection. We weren't really prevention. So uh, when I went back for my PhD, I was just on a search, like, how can we make shifts toward real prevention, not just like doing screenings and finding out, oh, your blood pressure's high. That's too late. Like, I want to do it, get earlier. And in the process of getting my PhD, a couple things happened, as they do when you're ready. You know the saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And so I was teaching women's health and also running the fitness program at the university where I was getting my PhD. And I ended up taking a yoga class that they were teaching. And my first yoga class felt like coming home. It's like my body knew what was next. It felt like so home. From the yoga class, the yoga teacher said, hey, there's this doctor coming to town and he's talking about the medicine that goes with yoga. Do you want to come listen? And that doctor was Deepak Chopra and the year was 1990. So it was before Deepak Chopra was a corporation, you know, a big, big name. So Deepak Chopra and John Duyard, uh, John Duyard is also a brilliant Ayurvedic physician. And so Deepak and John would come to Dallas, which is near where I was getting my PhD, and they would spend three days with us in a big hotel ballroom and just pulled forth. And that was my first exposure to all of this, mind-body interactions and healing, and that's really what got my start. From there, I just never stopped. I mean, I lived at Satchidananda Ashram. I've lived in the jungles in Costa Rica, Bali, India, studying herbal medicine, and on and on. But that was how I got started, sort of in the back door. I've always wanted to live in an ashram. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love it. Love, love, love it. It's a great kind of lifestyle. (laughs) So for those who aren't familiar with Ayurveda, can you give us a brief overview of what it is? So Ayurveda is the body-focused healing system from India. So the way I like to explain it for us Westerners, our minds can wrap around it, we've all heard of traditional Chinese medicine from which we get acupuncture, acupressure, and Chinese herbal medicine. So traditional Chinese medicine is about the same age as Ayurveda. So you could call it traditional Indian medicine if you wanted to. And so these two cultures, separated by big deserts and mountain ranges, came up with virtually the same concepts about health and healing, which is that the human body is made of elements uh, of the universe, 
And so in Chinese medicine, the five elements are a little different, but ultimately it's the same concept. And in Ayurveda, the five elements are earth, air, fire, water, and space, like the ethers. And the concept is that we all have different amounts of those elements and they, they show up in different ways. Like for some person, it shows up in their eye color. The other person, it shows up in the way they walk. You know, there's probably millions or maybe infinite permutations and combinations of how these elements swirl around to combine to become a human. And so what I love about Ayurveda is that they recognize that there is no human the same. We're all different, just like snowflakes. So we cannot have one size fits all medicine, preventive medicine, or diets, or nutrition, or exercise, because every individual is unique, and it has to do with this combination of elements. And so Ayurveda is a system of healing that includes things like the original surgeries came from Ayurveda. So surgeries and every branch of medicine, herbal medicine, and including lifestyle, which is what I'm interested in. Surgeries came from Ayurveda. That's so yes. interesting because a lot of times people think of these more traditional, whether it's Chinese or, or Indian medicines, as just completely different from Western medicine and pharmaceuticals. But you're saying that what kind of surgeries started? Well, so interestingly, and, uh, and um, <laughs> for all of you listeners, don't be correcting me because I'm going off of memory from my own studies. <laughs> so I think the, the, the original surgeon was Charaka, which I could look up uh, even while we're talking. But one of the reasons they had to have surgery is that for some crimes, they would cut off a nose or cut off a hand. So some of the original rhinoplasties happened from criminals way long ago, just for example. But yes, Ayurveda has surgical texts. How do herbs interact with our bodies differently than pharmaceuticals do? Well, not that differently. Herbs are pharmaceutical. They're just not man-made and they can't be patented. With prescription drugs, people are so used to these quick cures. In comparison, how long can people expect Ayurvedic treatments to take? It depends on what's going on. The way I like to look at it is it's almost like saying, um, how long does it take to notice a change of diet? It depends on how out of whack you were when you shifted your diet. For some people, they change their diet and they don't notice it's very slight difference. For other people, big difference, you know. But the Ayurvedic way, it's really, Ayurveda is truly, it's prevention. It's Yes, it can treat. And for sure, people go to the Ayurvedic physicians to treat illness. But their goal is to keep you well. The goal is prevention. So the focus is on noticing tiny imbalances before they get big and tweaking at that point. So the, um, the image I can just see it in my mind's eye in, in one of my Ayurvedic textbooks, they, they have this little line drawing. And you could all imagine this in your mind. Just imagine a potted plant. And so if you're taking care of a potted plant and you, you come in one day and it's got a tiny little droop in it, then you're going to give it a little water and it'll perk right up. But if you're gone for a whole week and you come home and it's already got brown spots on the leaves and a big droop, you're going to give it water. You're going to give it maybe some extra little vitamin, mineral-y stuff in, the, in there, and you're going to hope it comes back. And it may or may not. But it, you probably can bring it back if you've only been gone five days. But if you go away for three months and you come back and the, the whole stem is brown, the whole thing is like dried up, there's nothing on there, the chances of you bringing it back are slim. And this is what Ayurveda says. Don't wait until the plant's just dead, which is what Americans do, or Westerners. We kind of wait until we've had some catastrophic thing, and we say, oh my gosh, fix me, I've got cancer. Fix me, I've got diabetes. It's not too late 
to go to an Ayurvedic physician then, but it sure isn't the best time to go. The time to, to work with an Ayurvedic practitioner is kind of like all the time, <laughs> keeping yourself healthy and well. Well, let's dig in a little bit. What are some basic principles or practices of Ayurveda that the average person can begin to apply to their lives right now? One of the key elements of Ayurveda is having a daily routine. Creating a daily routine that includes things like waking up before the sun comes up, scraping your tongue, doing a daily self-massage with or without oil, depending on what your dosha is. And what dosha means is what your mind-body type is. I actually wrote a book that's free online. They can get and find out what their dosha is and find out what daily routine would be good. So a daily routine is something everyone can do. And it's so super critical for staying well. So that's part A. Part B is quarterly or at the change of seasons to do a gentle detoxification, not a starvation detox, not a harsh cleanse. Because if you do it regularly at the change of the seasons, you don't have to do harsh cleanses. You just are helping your body cleanse. And the cleanse in Ayurveda is called Panchakarma. And again, I already mentioned Dr. Duyard's website, but I, I would recommend his Panchakarma at home or Banyan Botanicals has one, B-A-N-Y-A-N, or Dr. Vasant Lad, L-A-D. His website, I think, is just Ayurveda.com. Any of those sources are excellent, reputable. Um, they will be quality products. And basically what you do is for, for a minimum of five days. The, the real punch of karma is 21 days, but I know that's a little hard for a lot of people, but five is doable and you don't starve. But what you do is you eat a very bland diet of kitchati. Kitchati is a lentil and rice comfort food. I love it. It's like comfort food with beautiful spices that just to help balance you. And you take some herbs to help clear out your colon and stimulate a little bit of your liver and gallbladder cleansing. But th those two things anybody can do. What does panchakarma mean? Pancha is five, the five actions. Karma is action. So we think of karma as something bad or something, but karma just means actions. So pancha karma is the five actions, and it's the five ways of cleansing the body in the process. Even in basic nutrition, your body digests better when you follow the food of the seasons. For example, it's better to eat most kinds of fruits in the summer. Also, by nature, women are lunar. The length of our menstrual cycles are synced up with the waxing and waning of the moon, which occurs every 28 days. There are even practices that you can do to help regulate your cycle to be in sync with the moon. And it's said that your cycle won't feel like a pain in the butt, but an opportunity to literally go with the flow. With the hustle and bustle of our daily lives, it's sometimes easy to think of ourselves as separate from nature, but we are nature. If nature goes in cycles, so do we. At the end of each day, do you feel so wiped you can barely function? In the morning, do you have to hit snooze four to five times before you have the energy to get up? Do you crave sweets or caffeine or a nap in the afternoon? If that sounds like you, there are probably reasons for this. One very simple answer might be that you're living out of sync with your own natural cycles. So what does Ayurveda say about these cycles? Ayurveda is a medicine, a lifestyle that lives in harmony with nature. So you would be eating different things at different times of the year. You would be acting different ways. 
you're basically following nature. So in, in the summertime, well, it depends on where you are. In the northern hemisphere, in the summertime, when the sun is hotter, people are outside more, you're eating less. You don't need to eat as much. You need to eat lighter food and you can do more activity and all kinds of things are different. And the winter is a time for more grounding and quiet, just like nature. Ayurveda can help us reclaim our connection with nature, uh, which is what we lose with our, you know, just using lights to keep us up at night and everything that has us disconnected from nature. So that's what it does. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word morning to 33777. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. Some of the most common cycle imbalances that you hear have to do with food. How does Ayurveda approach balanced eating to avoid that midday crash or the sugar stress cycle or even imbalanced hormones due to eating habits? Using Ayurvedic principles in a modern setting is what I would say, which would be when somebody is addicted to sugars, this would be a vata kapha imbalance, just using some Ayurvedic terms. And so the remedy is to have regular meals. Again, we go with regularity, but to eat three regular meals, no snacks, to make sure that there's a high quality fat. So this is going to sound a lot like um, some bulletproof or otherwise, you know, other people talking about our keto. It's not ketosis, but there's a real understanding in Ayurveda, you have to have a really good fat. So they use ghee, which is clarified butter. And of course, it would be organic because when Ayurveda started, there was no such thing as pesticides. So they don't have, they don't say organic butter, but it's implied because that's all they had. So clarified organic butter to start to get the blood sugars to be balanced. So three meals a day with a good protein, complex carbohydrates, and a high quality fat, that's what they would do. And then that's from the food standpoint. The second piece of it, that's is the vata imbalance portion, which is the mind that's spinning, the mind that is anxious. And that's, that's what actually pushes this whole imbalance is a, is a mental thing. 
So in Ayurveda, they would have the person doing um, mind calming activities like meditation. Um, and, and the other things that go with mind calming are making sure that you're, you eat your food warm, fresh, warm, and in a quiet environment. Interestingly enough, I was just reading something that said to only eat one cold thing per day if you want to improve your digestion. What is it about warm food that's so important? Well, Ayurveda has you do everything is warm. They don't. There's nothing that you would have that's cold ever because the inside temperature of your body is warm. And so anytime you take in something cold, it's a shock and it stops or stalls digestion. Um, so, and it's, it's, a, and depending on the person, depending on the person, it's a shock, a shock to their nervous system. So of the three doshas, vata, pitta, kapha, and I know you guys uh, may not know what I'm talking about. Can I give a little, just something about what that is? Vata, pitta, kapha. Yeah, go for it. All right. So, so it goes like this. Um, let's think about what we already know in our, our minds here in the West, when we know that there are three body types, ectomorph, mesomorph, and endomorph. And probably you learned that somewhere in school, that the ectomorph is somebody who, when they're healthy, they're going to be thinner and have smaller bones than everybody else. The mesomorph, when they're healthy, they're going to have a medium structure, medium bones, and the medium musculature. And the endomorph is going to be taller, have larger bones, and have fleshier. So they'll be fleshier even when they're at their ideal weight. And we, we, it's understood, it's agreed in Western science that this is the case. Of course, we do nothing with that information and everybody tries to be the same size, which is a sad thing because it means all the endomorphs are always on a diet and all the ectomorphs, particularly men, are in the weight room trying to lift and get more muscly and it's just not their nature. And they usually injure themselves. You see them in there with, with elbow braces and knee braces because they weren't meant to have that much muscle. So. We understand that there are these three body types. We do nothing with it. Ayurveda totally got it. And not only that, knows that it's not just the bodies that's different. It's the, the personality and the gifts that a person is born to give. And they can describe these as doshas, which means mind-body type. They don't separate the mind from the body. So in modern science, we just have body types, ectomorph, mesomorph, and endomorph. Whereas Ayurveda has mind-body types, which they call doshas. What do each of the doshas represent? The three doshas are vata, pitta, kapha. And vata is the elements air and space. And so everyone has some vata. And just listen to these qualities and see if you have these. these are your, see if these are any of your gifts that you just know that you naturally have. The gift of vata would be the gift of having a really quick mind, very spontaneous easily changeable, kind of like the life of the party. Someone who's really creative is always thinking of new ideas and, and uh, uh, their mind is really moving. Their body moves quickly too, if it's showing up in their body. And typically, and if vata is showing up in the body, these are the ectomorphs. Now we are combinations. So you could have a vata mind and a pitta body or vice versa. So let me describe pitta. Pitta is the element fire and water. So pitta brings the gift of sharp intellect. So a very sharp mind, very articulate, good sense of judgment, good critical thinking skills, very detail-oriented people. And so these are the people who, you know, when they uh, go on vacation, they organize everything and they naturally, it's just their nature to think of scheduling and they, they go to the hotel room and they hang their clothes up first thing and they put the long sleeve shirts, then the short sleeve shirts. They're just naturally organized. That's their gift. 
And if, if pitta isn't showing in their body, you'll see it as a medium size, medium muscle, medium bones. And a real giveaway for pitta, if it's in their body, is you'll see fire, the fire of pitta as red hair or freckles or someone who gets really red when they get hot or early graying or early balding. And the story behind that is that pitta is fire and the fire might be so hot it burns the color right out of their hair or it burns the hair right off of their head. So that's what pitta looks like on the body and what it's like in the personality. And then the third type is kapha. Kapha is earth and water. So kapha is heavier. You can imagine earth and water. And in the personality, it shows up as a very loyal and steady and a nourishing person, someone who's very calm and peaceful by nature. And these are the people who you want to tell your problems to. These are the people who are so forgiving and very patient. I mean, you want them to show you how to do something because they'll never yell at you or tell you to hurry up. They're just naturally, that's how they are. And if it's in their body, they're going to be heavier. They're going to be the endomorph. So does that make sense to you? Yes. And I feel like from what you described, I would be more vata. Yes. I've seen your picture and then we've been talking. So I know that you are vata pitta. Actually, I think you're pitta vata. I think you're probably dominant pitta with vata also. I had to look up Pitta Vata, and I would say it's spot on. It says I'm fun-loving, passionate, and intense. It talks about my fiery passion for things that interest me, and when I have a vision, I am a go-getter. In all my years of practice, I've probably worked with, at this point, over a 1,000 people. I would say 70% of people have two of them that are pretty dominant, like you, or like me. I'm Vata Kapha. And then about 15% of people have one that's really dominant and the other two not so much. And then another 15% have kind of equal across the board. And the thing is, there is no better or worse. There is nothing that's better than the others. What's important is, A, know what your gifts are. It's really important. Know what your gifts are. And then B, just as important, know what it looks like when you are getting pushed out of balance. Because the sooner you catch it, like I gave you the example of the plant earlier, the sooner you catch you're going out of balance and the sooner you make a remedy, the easier the remedy is and the less likely you're going to get sick and the more likely you're going to be well. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And what really stands out to me is the damage that we're doing to ourselves with these standards of beauty, especially in the media and advertisements. Like you said, two of the three body types are constantly trying to conform through diets or bulking up and not to fault them because it seems to be the expectations of societal pressures. But I believe that everything is connected. So when we are denying our true nature and really trying to be something we're not, we're not just harming ourselves, but messing with the whole ecosystem. Absolutely. Because you were born to give your gift. And if you're not giving it, it throws the whole thing cattywampus. Everything's out of balance. I'm from Texas. We say cattywampus, but you know what I'm <laughs> Yeah, it throws it out of balance. And when we go out of balance, what it means is the very thing that was our gift, we just get too much of it. Something, something pushes it to be too much. And the very thing that was a gift becomes a challenge and it needs to be brought back into balance. So if you are dominant vata, which is the air and space, the very quick mind, spontaneous, creative, you know, all of that, it's a beautiful thing when it's in balance. But when that person gets stressed, whether it's because they're eating the wrong diet or they didn't get good sleep or they had a fight with their boyfriend or whatever stresses you, doesn't matter. Stress is stress. 
When we get stressed, it pushes us out of balance. And when vata goes out of balance, that quick mind starts just going so fast it can't stop. And it becomes a spinning mind. And then the spinning mind won't let them sleep. And now they have insomnia. And now that they have insomnia, they generally just feel anxious all the time. And as soon as you start feeling anxious, spinning, you could say to yourself, whoo, vata is out of balance. I need to bring vata back down. I need to, the word in Ayurveda, we say we need to pacify. I need to pacify my vata, bring it back down. Um, and it's a, such a, a more loving, compassionate way to talk to ourselves because when we're out of balance, it's never pretty. doesn't matter which one of them, it's never pretty. So for the vata people, they say bad things to themselves. Like, oh my God, I'm such an airhead. I'm so stupid. I'm, I, I'm such a spaz or whatever. I mean, these are the things I say to myself. I don't know what y'all say to yourselves, but that's a vata thing to say. And But it's not nice to yourself. And when you say not nice things to yourself, you go more out of balance. So instead... When you find yourself spinning and forgetful and all of that, you say, whoa, vata is out of balance. I need to pacify that. It's so much nicer. Then pitta, when pitta is out of balance, that very sharp mind becomes a sharp tongue. And the good judgment becomes judgmental. And the good critical thinking becomes critical. So pitta out of balance is generally the one who thinks that she's a bitch because that's what it looks like. And it's not pretty. I mean, they can be really mean, but generally for many people, I would say most of my clients, that criticism and judgment is self-directed and it's really harmful. So as soon as you recognize that you're getting really sharp tongued, you're about to bite someone's heads off, just say to yourself, oh, pitta's out of balance. I need to pacify my pitta. <laughs> and then the third one is kapha which is earth and water. Remember, they're steady and strong and slow. What happens to them when they're out of balance is they just fall asleep with a bag of M&Ms in their hand. They just slow down. And they're the ones who are eating lots of ice cream and chocolates and heavy things, and they're getting heavier when they're stressed. The vata people get skinnier when they're stressed. The, pitta, the kapha people get heavier when they're stressed. The pitta people get acid indigestion when they're stressed, too much fire. I have a shorthand for it, and I call it like this. Either you get panicked, pissed, or paralyzed. And if you're one of, the, one of those things, just know that that's not your true nature. It's an indication that you're out of balance, that something has pushed you. And Ayurveda has remedies. And if you don't mind, they can just come to my website and say forward slash free book. I've written a book. I, I love Ayurveda so much that I like to give everybody this piece. It's just a little book that has the quiz and it tells about what it looks like when you're out of balance and some very basic things that you can do to bring it back into balance. So I'd love for anybody to have that. I will be sure to link to that in the show notes at mindlove.com slash 024. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says, <laughs> and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small, and when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? 
It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah. I love what you said about it not being our true nature. For a long time, I considered myself too ADD to complete things. I'd have all these dreams and ambitions, but tons of unfinished projects and not a lot of follow through. This led to a, a cycle of overprescribed Adderall, which completely disconnected me from my body. It was like trying mm-hmm. to drive a car with the sunshade up. I'd beat myself up a lot mentally and physically when you consider my eating disorder. But being able to view these things as imbalances rather than personality flaws means that suddenly there's an action that you can take instead of just feeling like a failure. And that action doesn't have to be some external synthetic drug that you're dependent on in order to feel like a happy, stable, productive person. It might just be a sign to change your diet or shift up your routine a little bit. That's exactly right. That is to me, the most healing piece of Ayurveda is this. You're, and you're exactly right. ADHD, ADHD would be considered vata imbalance in Ayurveda. Depression would be a kapha imbalance. And can someone have depression and anxiety? Yes, that would be kapha and vata imbalance, and you would treat accordingly. And the lifestyle pieces, for example, for ADHD are things like eating warm foods. Again, it's super important. Kapha and vata definitely must have warm foods. Uh, cold foods will throw you off. And they would have you have a quiet environment and create the most regular schedule possible. In fact, even things like put your keys in the same place, park in the same spot, anything that's the same, the same, the same to help keep ADHD at bay or to help vata. And this is all just smart. It works. 
I talk about routines a lot. I dedicated episode eight to them. So listeners, go back and listen to that because it's one of my most listened to episodes. But I feel like routines have transformed my life. For the most part, I've considered them a tool for being an entrepreneur, like one of the habits of highly successful people. While that's true, it goes deeper and it's a domino effect. Routines reduce the stress on my body and mind, which then helps me feel more in control. Mm -hmm. The more I gain control, the more I realize my own power. And the more empowered I am, the easier it is to have self-love. I'm not beating myself up all the time. I'm tweaking little things to yield better results in my life. And I start to view my body as this kind of magical little vehicle instead of this dead weight that I need to beat into submission. Our relationships with ourselves then affects how we interact with the world, how we view our current circumstances, how we interact with other people, the gratitude we feel. It's everything. It's everything. How we are treating ourselves, how much we're loving ourselves is literally what we'll attract. So if we're not, if we aren't loving ourselves, we'll allow other people to treat us accordingly. And then we'll think that there are no good people. I, I always end up in bad relationships. It's really a reflection of our self-love. A thousand percent. It's everything. So it sounds like everything comes back to self-love. You're absolutely right. This is one of the reasons that I actually was most stunned by Ayurveda because I'm Vata more in my mind, but I'm more Kapha in my body. And I, I was on my first diet in second grade. That is just a crime. When I see pictures of myself, I wasn't fat. I was definitely larger than everyone else, but I wasn't fat. But my mom was so afraid that I was going to be fat because I was so big compared to everyone else and compared to her because she is Vata Pitta like you. So, you know, it's just having this information for me was so self-healing because I can look at the gifts of Kapha and say, yeah, damn straight. I'm super steady. I'm super loyal. And I never get sick. Kapha has really got a strong immune system. And that's a gift of this body that's, yes, I am larger than a lot of girls, but it's a gift. If Once you get it this gift, it's amazing. And I have to say a side note, I literally just got home from giving the closing keynote for the Ulta Beauty Convention for 1,800 store managers for Ulta Beauty. And the keynote right before me was Ashley Green, who is a plus-size model. And I mean, I think I'm large, and she's bigger than me. I mean, it was amazing. And she just rocks her beauty. She walks on stage. She's a size 16, and she just she owns it. So I do think things are changing. That's what I want to say. It's so exciting. I'm excited too. Regardless of size, I feel like most people aren't happy with their bodies. There's always something that they want to change. So lately, I've been really diving into my feminine side, connecting with women's groups, trying to just embody my sensuality and develop love for my body. I feel like we're in this time of goddess rising with the Me Too movement and women especially taking a stand. I'm reading an amazingly powerful book called Pussy, <laughs> A Reclamation by an author who calls herself Mama Gina that I would recommend to all women, but also the men who love them. But this book talks about reclaiming the divine feminine. 
which isn't a women-only concept. We all have masculine and feminine energy within us. When it's out of whack and we have more masculine energy than feminine, then we have more things like war and aggression. I know you've spoken on this topic a lot, so how would you guide people to better embody their divine feminine? First of all, the divine feminine is the body because a feminine, the word matter and mater are the same, mother, the same root. So our body, the matter of our body is the feminine part of us, whether you're a man or a woman. So that's just one thing to realize. But embodying the divine feminine is learning how feminine energy runs in your body and what it feels like. And um, because our culture has been so robbed of even images or stories of the divine feminine, I start there. I start by teaching women cognitively stories so we can start reimagining what the divine feminine is. Because if if someone was raised in the in a Western culture, the Judeo-Christian culture, all we have are masculine images of the divine, which pretty much leaves us all out. Or if you're Catholic, you get a plastic Mary, and then you get Mary Magdalene as a prostitute, which is a lie. And even though the Catholic Church has recanted that, most people still don't know. So for women to be able to embrace all of our divinity that is feminine, we, it's almost we have to go back to kindergarten. And, you know, Regina Thomasauer is doing her bit, her book, Pussy, that you mentioned is fabulous to get the cognitive piece for your mind, for your brain to start going, huh, wait a minute. I, how did I miss that? This actually seems right. But how did I miss that? So for a lot of us women, um, well, no, for all of us, all of us who were raised in the West, unless you had a mother or grandmother, or an aunt or some how a feminine figure in your life that embodied it for you and you got it by transmission. You're so right. There's something extra powerful about those visuals. There are things about the history of women that I had no idea. We kind of assume that we always started at the bottom and that we're the highest we've ever been now, right. where we've been just kind of climbing out of these trenches. But that's not true. Women are such powerful beings and that many times in history even held more power than men. But now we're competing with the patriarchy and conforming more with our masculine sides just to get ahead, which I talked a lot about in episode 14 with Anna Wood. But I think in doing so, we're losing our connection to the divine feminine, to our sensuality and to ourselves. Right. That's right. You're exactly right. So these masculine dominant traits are like competition, independence, control, strength, action. But the feminine is more cooperation, collaboration, forgiveness, vulnerability, surrender, intuition. I find that the more I connect with this feminine part of myself, the, the more sensitive I am to the energies of those around me. For most of my 20s, I had a difficult time being around kids. This sounds terrible, but I thought I wasn't really a kid person. In the last few years, that has been changing, especially now that my husband and I are realizing that, you know, we would like to procreate. But over Easter, my niece and nephew were running around, you know, just being kids, and I could feel my heart start to pound. Since I am more in touch with my own body and my sense of intuition, I ended up having this huge revelation that 
All this time I thought I didn't like kids because I felt so anxious around them. But in reality, I was just picking up on their energy, sensing that faster heartbeat. Just that identification separated my energy from theirs enough that it didn't feel unpleasant. It felt like a gift, almost a superpower, which totally shifted my perspective. This simple shift in perspective has also helped me to be less of a sponge for other people's negative energies and think of it more in terms of of a detector. Like, I feel this, I feel that this is going on with you, but I don't need to take it on as my own. What are some other tips to help guard or protect our own energy from negative influences around us? First of all, starting the day, making sure that you're grounded There are some simple ways, no matter where you are, you can drop grounding cords. You just imagine the soles of your feet open and cords connect into the earth. And you imagine from the perineum, the base of your pelvis, dropping a third one so that you have like a grounded plug, three-prong plug into the earth, deepening the breath. And in extreme situations, I literally put my hand in front of my solar plexus, one hand in front of my solar plexus. I'll put one hand behind my tail. You know, animals tuck their tails. We don't have an actual tail. Everyone knows it's so that other animals can't smell their scent because if they tuck their tail, they can't smell. But it's actually a physical protection of anything getting into that base chakra where energy, I would say energy vampires, they generally try to come in into lower chakras. So I'll actually put my hand, I have, there are numerous photos of me at social gatherings, you know, <laughs> where I'm just standing somewhere in the crowd and there I have one hand just, you know, I just kind of place it behind me. It looks like it doesn't look too unnatural. I'll just place my hand kind of behind my back and then I'll put my other hand in front of my belly on purpose. It's, it's a very mindful and conscious thing. People do it unconsciously. They cross their arms in front of them all the time when they're not wanting their energy to go out or in. And then I work with angels. I call on Archangel Michael all the time to add protection when I feel like there's just so much energy that I don't want in my space. Archangel Michael is thought of as the angel of protection and the most powerful of all the angels. His traits are righteousness, mercy, and justice. You most often hear about people calling on Archangel Michael when they're concerned for their safety or they need protection, but he also assists in courage and direction, like when you're making a big life change or even energy and vitality. But Archangel Michael wears many hats, so you can even call on him for help with your life's purpose, motivation for getting something done, clearing space or energy releasing spirits, worthiness, and even self-esteem. And at the end of a day, I always take a bath with two cups of sea salt and some kind of essential oils. If it's been particularly rough energies, I'll use things like that cut energy like eucalyptus and tea tree. And I'll use frankincense to raise the vibration in my bath. And I'll sit in there for 20 minutes and then scrub off in a shower after. So, and if it's really intense energy, I'll, I'll bathe in coffee. Depending on your beliefs, some of these tips can sound a little woo-woo, but first of all, let's talk about coffee baths. Bathing in coffee might sound weird, but it can actually uplift your spirits in minutes, discharging deep-rooted tensions. It also promotes energy flow and restores balance and overall well-being. 
caffeine can be absorbed through the skin as well. So it fights fatigue and keeps the skin beautiful through exfoliating and even increasing the metabolism, which tightens the skin. Second, let's go into the visualizations. If you're not yet tuned in to the power of visualization, you might think, how can that work? You're just sitting there imagining something. But visualization is powerful. We don't quite understand all the inner workings of the brain. But studies have shown people who have a strong visualization practice, but don't physically practice something at all, can yield nearly the same results as somebody who practices every single day. I won't get into all the details now, but if you're interested in the scientific side of this, I highly recommend checking out the new Psycho-Cybernetics. And for the more spiritual side, check out Wishes Fulfilled by Wayne Dyer. I'll link to both of these in the show notes at mindlove.com slash 024. Why do you think that visualization is so powerful? Energy follows attention. So where you put your attention, your energy follows. And you can go to the basics that we are energy. You know there's energy in your body because even Western medicine measures it with an EKG, an electrocardiogram. There is electricity, an EEG, electroencephalogram. We have electricity in our bodies. The group of neurocardiologists in California who have an organization called HeartMath, and their website is heartmath.org. They've been studying since the 80s, the electromagnetic field that the heart emits. And the brain emits one too, but the heart field is 5,000 times stronger than the one of the brain. The electromagnetic field of your heart radiates 8 to 10 feet around you. It can be measured by equipment. This is not just made up. So we know that we are energy and we know that energy actually follows your attention. So when you drop your attention, your energy follows. And when your energy feels more grounded, part of the earth, you feel more grounded. When I did my Reiki certification, when we talked about that energy that you can feel on another person or, or even kind of radiating outside of yourself, we referenced the subtle body. Can you explain how the subtle body is different from the physical body? The electricity that's in your body, we can just stay with things like electricity. It's not contained inside of your skin. It's radiating around you. And um, there are, it, it, so it, it radiates around you. So you have another body that's just like you, but it's like an outline of you. And from close into you, you have uh, like your mental body, your emotional body can actually be detected by people who can see those things. The main thing I think to know is that your body doesn't stop at your skin. I've heard you say before that your body is a metaphor for life. What do you mean by that? I work with people one-on-one -on -one and it's fascinating how people will say, they'll say, oh my God, he's such a pain in the neck and they have a pain in their neck. Or I can't stand it, and they have problems with their feet, their hips, their legs, you know. So I, I can't stomach it, and people have IBS. So when you think about even our language reflects what's happening in our bodies all, a lot of times. People are brokenhearted. So that's what I meant by that. I've never really thought of it in that way before. I do know that our words are super powerful, and so the words we speak are likely to happen, but I never really thought of it in a way that we're speaking that which already plagues us. Yeah, I think they're really just expressing what we are kind of unconscious to. You know, we say, oh, it's such a pain in the neck, and you really do. It, it's just a fascinating thing how we, we pull into our bodies. But the body itself is, is the mind. The mind is everywhere. 
your mind is not just in your skull. People think their mind is inside of their skull, inside of the organ called the brain. Well, it is there, but it's not only there. Thinking that your mind is in your skull is the same mistake as thinking that when you turn on the television set, that the newscaster is in there. That's not how it is. The mind is everywhere. It's everywhere. So as soon as you have a thought or a feeling, the whole body is having the thought or feeling. It's not just happening in one place. What are some ways that people can get in better touch with that mind-body connection, which is really the divinity within themselves? Slow down, breathe deeply. It never happens without those two things. You have to slow down and breathe deeply. Everyone's different, but I would say slow down, breathe deeply, and be in nature are the top three ways to connect with divinity. Then beyond that, having practices that are guided by teachers who can give you a roadmap. So a yoga class taught by a teacher who is on a path and is she or he themselves are connecting with the divine every day, they'll give you a, a map to follow. It helps to have teachers, but teachers who provide maps, not teachers who say that they are the map. <laughs> <laughs> well said. It can be the difference between expanding your spiritual practice or ending up in a religious cult. You also mentioned that you work with your angels. How would one go about calling upon their angels if they have no experience doing so before? I would suggest getting really quiet, breathing, doing a quiet sit, like the kind where you follow your breath, and then asking a question or saying, just having the intention, I'd like to connect with higher guidance. The hand just start writing. It's a really good way. Just free writing. Just let, let your higher self start coming through you. I would start with that, asking to connect with your higher self. Always ask for your higher self first. This is probably the 10th time that I've heard of this exact automatic writing technique, so I promise I'm not going to put it off anymore. Are there any final words that you'd like to tell our listeners that maybe we haven't touched on quite yet? I would say that everything we're talking about is not to add anything to people or give them something they don't already have. Everything we're talking about here is what would support a person into discovering their true nature. So it's really about removing blockages or bringing things back into balance with what's already there. Because we live in a culture where people are striving to get something they think they don't have, but really you have it already. And this is about you relaxing into it, embracing it, and really being it fully. For listeners who are interested in connecting with you, where can they find you online? So my website is drdebkern.com. It's D-R-D-E-B-K-E-R-N.com. And uh, you can contact me there. I mean, I'm on, I love Instagram. I love Instagram. I, so I'm on Instagram and Facebook. My Facebook's also Dr. Deb Kern. Everything's Dr. Deb Kern, so... Well, that makes it easy. <laughs> yeah, it's easy. Wow, I hope you all learned as much as I did today. It's crazy to think our cyclical nature, I've always had a hard time saying that word, cyclical nature, is a really great illustration of just how connected all things are. Personally, I find this comforting and empowering and kind of magical. We had a lot of links in today's episode, and you can find them all at mindlove.com slash 024. 
If you loved this episode, don't forget to hit subscribe. And if you have a free moment, please leave a review. Reviews really help to grow this podcast and to entice more amazing guests like Dr. Deborah Kern. If you didn't get the memo at the beginning of this episode, don't forget to sign up for the morning Mind Love by visiting mindlove.com and signing up right there on the homepage. Or if you're out and about, just text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. You'll get short daily reminders of just how powerful and magical you really are so you can start each day on a positive note and attract all the love, light, and abundance that you deserve. Thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 